Welcome to the Ultranet Products Podcast. Today's guests are Dr. Dan Fisher, CEO and President of Ultranet Products, and Carol Gent, RDH, who is part of the clinical team at Ultranet and who also volunteers for the not-for-profit clinic in downtown Salt Lake City. Dr. Fisher and Carol Gent will be discussing fluoride varnish, in particular Ultradent's fluoropal varnish, and the benefits it can have for your patients. Hi, I'm Dan Fisher. And I'm Carol Gent. And today we're here to talk to you about uh, some of the new uses, uh, opportunities for helping our patients with fluoride varnishes. Uh, we're going to start our program by sharing with you what has occurred historically on the subject of fluoride varnish. Uh, in Europe for some years now, 5% fluoride, sodium fluoride in a varnish has been used for uh, caries prevention uh, and the like. Uh, it has been more widespread here in the States the last few years. Uh, one of our challenges with fluoride varnishes versus, say, a fluoride gel is in a gel such as a 1.23% that we use uh, in the office, it's water-soluble. Uh, these varnishes, they are designed not to be water-soluble, hydrophobic, and yet they still contain the sodium fluoride. Uh, hence, the sodium fluoride isn't solubilized. Uh, maybe you can share, Carol, on uh, what the implications are with that if it's uh, just used in a standard little unit dose packet uh, and uh, what, uh, what we've done to overcome that with our uh, mixing, reconstituting just prior to application. Oh, as far as the practical side, yes, that's something I've really learned to appreciate with our new fluoropal varnish. Um, I've always used a fluoride varnish for different situations, everything from um, you know, rampant decay on little Eskimo kids up in Alaska, or when I've been um, at the the clinic I work at downtown occasionally. Um, those kids, oftentimes, I don't know if I'm ever going to see them, you know, back in the clinic or if they will see a dentist again. So it's real important for me to get the best method of, of oh, how can I put it? It's Application important. or yeah, delivery. Yeah, exactly. The application. But I also want to, to give them the best fluoride treatment possible. Um, when it comes to applying, a lot of times these little wiggle worms are all over the place, and when it comes to trying to hold one down and stick a tray with foam or gel in their mouth, it's, it's next to impossible. Whereas um, with the fluoride varnish in our system in particular, it's very nice because basically it's in a syringe, and I'm able to mix it. I know it's thoroughly mixed, and that's one of the inherent problems uh, with a lot of the fluoride varnishes. You do have a separation of the fluoride particle, I guess, from the, the varnish. So a lot of times when you squeeze something out of a tube, for example, you're not sure if you're putting straight varnish on the teeth or if maybe there's a little bit of fluoride or a lot of fluoride on there. So um, you're not quite sure what you're putting on the teeth. There's probably a lot of kids I send home with varnish treatments and not fluoride varnish treatments at all. Um, the other thing is a lot of times when they are wiggling around a lot you do have to try and hold them still and having a syringe in your hand with a a brush type tip such as ours our fx it's a little that little fuzzy brush tip to be able to just paint it on without having to go back and forth to a little dappen dish or to a little reservoir somewhere 
is so much easier. The, oh, the difference is just unbelievable. Totally agree with you, with it's, kids in particular. It, with kids in particular. And it's, it was a real eye-opener to me whenever, um, when they finally did get away from the tubes and started making these little foil packets with the brush, you'd open it up and you would see um, the separation of the fluoride and the varnish. And that was a real eye-opener to me as to how many people I probably sent home with varnish treatments and not fluoride treatments at all. Um, but having even to mix that, it was quite messy. Um, going back and forth from the patient to the, the little foil packet or to the reservoir, painting it on. If there's a little bit of saliva, it would start setting up. And it could become, it could become quite, the, quite the event for both me and the patient. <laughs> Well, I, I have to tip uh, my hat to our R&D guys. They uh, brought some of our deliveries to a, a very they fruitful sure realization here. Uh, the, the, the ability to simply push connecting syringe plungers uh, back and forth so to reconstitute it and, and get the fluoride evenly spread through the varnish just prior to application and then simply applying this little uh, fiber tip as you described Carol mm -hmm. but uh, that's wide enough to cover broader surfaces right. quickly uh, and uh, and especially with these wiggly little kids to, to get in and, and address it get it done and get out of there it's nice too because that little tip bends so when you have to get back in the posterior you know you can you can get to just about anywhere you 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 need to put the varnish or yeah. want to put the varnish um, which is that in itself just makes the job easier absolutely. you're not having to absolutely and regardless uh, whether the child was four or five or six or seven or ten or eleven uh, so often they don't like that mm -mm. jail treatment and uh, for younger ones can be most challenging to get them to keep it in their mouth and mm -hmm. and to not swallow it which is a major issue uh, uh, we know that the, the harmful side effects if they swallow too much of this strong fluoride. Boy, you've got that right. I wouldn't want to be mom on the way home in the car with a kid that swallowed fluoride. Yes. <laughs> there were many uh, times I just <laughs> wanted to get them out the door <laughs> <laughs> before we saw their lunch again. Oh, but <laughs> it's, it, it can hit their hit their stomach uh, like a, like a ton it of can. bricks. It really can, and and it has a, a safety ramification to it. Uh, you take that, and then. Uh, you bring the added dimension that's occurred in the last uh, few years uh, uh, and more recently with our American Association of Pediatric Dentistry uh, in their public announcement that uh, parents should be taking their children in to see the dentist at one year of age. For uh, we general dentists uh, not up to speed on this subject, uh, uh, initially uh, we, we wondered why. Uh, there's actually some good logic to it. Uh, I've had the opportunity to interface with some of the leaders uh, of this association at, at a leadership training program uh, at the uh, Kellogg School of Business. And we were at a social function one evening over dinner and talking with a, uh, a young lady pediatric dentist, uh, fabulous, fabulous professional. Uh, her name's Patty Lewis. Uh, I was talking about challenges I'd had in my younger years of practice for the little ones <clears throat> with the uh, bottle mouth syndrome. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's such a challenge to deal it with, is. as you know. And uh, this can occur with, 
with tiny little tykes and uh, the, the, the corrective treatment at that age can be most challenging to the pediatrician and often mean uh, uh, that they have to be put down on general anesthesia and, and the like. Uh, certainly they've lost their smile and it's difficult to regain it uh, even with the corrective treatment. Uh, I, was, I was talking with some level of, of pride and conviction uh, as to what I felt had been my successes, albeit sprinkled with failures and <laughs> getting mothers to uh, uh, restrict the baby from the bottle sooner. Uh, Patty sat there listening and then gave me a fabulous education. Uh, nothing's more exciting than when you see these young dentists uh, giving us older dentists a chance to learn something new and exciting out there. Uh, Patty shared with me that she practices in the Bronx and that she has a very diverse segment of, of Americans there, if you will. Uh, she shared that uh, you've got to look past just the oral cavity uh, she shared uh, something that I'd never thought on before. Uh, I think it's something that is highly relevant to every clinician in the world. Uh, she shared that she has some little patients that if the mother can't put the bottle in the mouth at 2 a.m. when the baby's screaming, the daddy might beat up the baby. Uh, you know, it, we we think we've got all of this figured out at times, right. even as professionals, and then lo and behold, we discover that there can be more to the picture than what's on the surface. Sure. And uh, sure. certainly, we cannot separate oral cavity from our gray matter between our ears, but we can't separate it from the family, from the culture, and the like. Uh, Patty went on to share that she and others have done quite a bit of work, research, and the like, and they've been able to, to demonstrate that if you can get that high-risk patient in at one year of age, mm -hmm. and should there be erupted teeth by that time, mm -hmm. uh, by applying this varnish uh, every other month, they can eliminate the bottle mouth syndrome. Uh, to me, that was marvelous. That would be fantastic. And you know you wouldn't get a tray in a little one-year-old's oh, mouth. Yeah, impossible. <laughs> impossible. Absolutely. And if and you did, dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah. Very dangerous. Uh, the the uh, logics here with this varnish, it's a higher percentage concentration than the gel, but the volumes used are so much smaller. And uh, you simply have a thin film that's applied against the enamel. And yes, some will go interproximally and subgingival mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, as soon as the saliva contacts the varnish, it causes it to harden to firm, right. which is good occurring on the teeth, as you shared. That's a challenge when it occurs in the little foil well from oh. saliva taken from the mouth back to, exactly. the, to the well. Exactly. Uh, but it, it does facilitate a, a, a very quick, rapid way to give a small quantity, volume-wise, uh, of fluoride which can retain in there for multiple days. Uh, to be able to facilitate a, a fluoride release inside of the oral cavity mm -hmm. rather than having to disperse it systemically throughout the body 
mm-hmm. simply to have small percentages of it delivered back through the saliva to the teeth. Exactly, just bathing the teeth. Yeah, keeping uh-huh. it right in there right. Uh, where it slowly leaches. That's mm-hmm. a fabulous opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've learned that uh, the effectiveness of uh, these chemistries, many chemistries, be it bleaching uh, gels with peroxide, be it hemostatic agents and the like, the effectiveness is not just what the chemical is, not just the concentration, but also the duration of exposure. And this is something that is facilitated with the varnish that just is not possible with a gel. Bringing multiple days of exposure versus just that two to four minute window exactly. uh, of, of fluoride. So, so we. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead there. <laughs> Even Carol. if there's there's just a very small amount, after a few days, most of it's been brushed off. Oftentimes, you can find little specks of it, you know, way in the back, maybe where, yes, for whatever reason, it just it's there. And this can be three, four days la- later, and you know, the fluoride is still at that time just slowly leaching in, bathing those spots, remineralizing areas, or helping with, you know, sensitivity, you know, whatever the case may be, why ever for whatever reason you have um, put the fluoride on the teeth. Exactly. And it's beneficial. Yeah. It's just instead of one instead of one loading dose, it's something over a you know, long, exactly. long period of time. And, and the quantity so in there intraorally can be substantially less than what's in one fluoride tablet that's taken daily for a systemic regime. And yet again, where it is contained in the oral cavity, not dispersed over the rest of the body, one still has a significant uh, opportunity for fluoride uptake uh, mm-hmm. into the enamel. Right. I, I think it's important uh, relative to mechanism that we, we also remember that, uh, yes, there will be some demineralized enamel that will begin to mineralize reasonably soon. The fluoride ion gains access into that demineralized enamel and then saliva has an abundance of calcium in it. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know that every time we scale teeth, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. So getting that little fluoride ion in there, then attracting the calcium ion uh, is is a golden opportunity. Some uh, initially will begin to mineralize into from calcium hydroxyapatite to calcium fluorohydroxyapatite. Uh, uh, significant quantities uh, early on will simply be converted to calcium fluoride that's held into microporosities of dentin and enamel. But that too becomes a reservoir of fluoride. This is uh, slightly soluble and hence this source of fluoride of the calcium fluoride, if you will, can continue to leach uh, over longer periods of time bringing a, a more sustained uh, effect to, to the uh, enamel and, and, and exposed dentin, if you will. Dr. Fisher, has um, the uh, American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, have they taken a position yet with fluoride varnish? They, they have taken a position. They have uh, uh, invited their membership, uh, uh, and they have uh, made even public announcement that that it is good to get that that little patient in at one year of age and where indicated uh, apply the fluoride varnish. Have they made a recommendation as far as, for example, 
with a lot of these little people with rampant decay, are they making um, a, a recommendation how often they should? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, uh, Patty and, and others of this leadership group shared that they, they do try to customize it as to the needs of the patient. So, for example, with the, the more rampant caries, such as the bottle mouse syndrome, uh, they will be applying as, as often as uh, every other month. Uh, for the moderate uh, risk patient, uh, perchance quarterly or or uh, biannually, uh, otherwise uh, the the yearly application. So this could actually go over from from just children into adults. For example, um, handicap adults, uh, people um, on medications with you know very dry mouths where yes. you know root caries because of it. Um, well, we have we Just, know of, of many clinicians who uh, do use it for the high risk patients, uh, be it the the older patient who's uh, bedridden, uh, I was those say with uh, exactly, Alzheimer's, yeah, handicapped physically. You yeah, know, you, you've got to do whatever you can uh -huh. do with with these folks. Obviously, uh, it's just more of a quality of life if they can have. Uh, healthy teeth. Exactly, and, and certainly with our aging populations, we have more older people in these conditions with teeth right. than we have ever had historically. So the uh, the uh, need has, has increased substantially that we find other ways to address these challenging cases. And uh, fluoride varnish, I think uh, uh, many clinicians are finding, is a, is a valuable tool for that for that purpose. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, it's fun when you can see even old ideas such as fluoride used in new ways mm -hmm. to to bring about uh, such uh, important uh, solutions to to these kind of needs. Uh, it's become a great enough need in in many states uh, for example uh, some states have now legalized pediatricians uh, uh, physicians mm -hmm. to, to offer to to provide this sure. treatment if you will and I some states are even uh, through their welfare dentistry programs paying for such treatments uh, sure. uh, certainly the more we can get ahead of this program the better uh, it's uh, first choice if, if dentists are able to address these needs for sure but we do have to find the ways to be responsive to the needs of the populace we serve. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, uh, to, that being said, uh, I would invite any of you who would like more information on the, the fluoropal syringe, delivered syringe, mixed uh, fluoride varnish to contact your Ultradent rep uh, or to call Ultradent uh, on our customer service line. That's 800-552-5512 and uh, good luck in preventing those decalcification carious lesions uh, to the best of your ability and uh, let us know if there's anything you need. I believe too we also have uh, frequently asked questions along these lines on our website so if anyone um, is interested in getting a little bit more information we have some studies listed uh, you know, just some you know basic information. There's a lot being written on it right now. So, um, the various publication hygiene, as well as uh, your, your dental uh, 
publications. It's a wealth of information. I think we're going to see a lot of, a lot more of it on down the line. So. Well, being a hygienist, I'm sure you're interacting with many hygienists who are active in this. They effort. are. It's uh, for a long time. It was primarily for the uh, for desensitizing for mm -hmm. you know after you know for example um, root exposure, but we're seeing the benefits of it, and I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yes, it's exciting. It, it is stuff. exciting. It's very exciting. Okay, well, thank you, Carol. Thank you, Dr. Fisher. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Please be sure to tune in next week when our guest, Dr. John Kanka, will discuss. Viscostat Clear, the viscous aluminum chloride gel that stays. <laughs> <laughs>